0: We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Isaiah speaking prophetically as a, as a prophet of the Old Testament in a time when Israel was in major transition and they had learned to live under the bondage and the, the governorship of a mindset that limited their potential. They had all this wrapped up inside of them but they learned to live underneath uh, the, the bondage and the captivity of the Babylonian culture, as well as other kingdoms that were there. It seems like they would, get, they, would, they would live in freedom for a while, and they would find themselves back in captivity. But really, this is a time when Isaiah is coming to beginning to prophesy and see something into the children of Israel that a, a nation, especially young kids at this time, were beginning to raise up and, uh, at, at an adult level where they're going to be catapulted and moved into a next phase of life because they were towards the end of their captivity. Now watch this. The spirit of the Lord, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to all those who are bound. To proclaim, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What's this verse here? And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. Look, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, so that he could be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities. Look at this. The desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be be named, look at this, the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of the confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and I will make with them everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring, look at the kids, among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he, shall be clo- he hath clothed me with the garments, look at this, of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the earth that are sown in it to the spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Let's go to the verses, verse 12. Go to 62. Go to verse, verse 1 to 62. For Zion's sake, I will not hold peace, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. This is the, 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 the prophet speaking. Until her righteousness go forth as brightness, and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Now, here's what you have Israel's in a mess. Something's changing. They're sensing transition across the land, across the country. People are used to living in bondage, under limitations, under you know, insufficiencies. Their insecurities always arising up, their, 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 their lack of having resources that they need to do what they are supposed to do. There's a, an ache in their heart that there's more to life than what they've been living. They're they're sensing that, God, you're doing something, but I don't know how to get there. I don't know what the next step is. What do we do? So all they do is they, while they're living underneath all of the pressures of the civilization that they've been put in, during that time, there was a a yearning and an ache that came from their heart that was saying, there's got to be more than this. There has to, we have to make an indention in life and in society and in culture and in our families, in our posterity, there has to be more than this. I sh- certainly can't just keep living, struggling day to day and trying and striving to do better. There's gotta be more to life than this. There has to be a peace in the midst of the struggle. It can't be always wrestling with the struggle. There's gotta be joy in the midst of my pain and my suffering. It can't be just always pain and suffering and be struggling to find my joy. So God raises up a prophet, prophet Isaiah you get an opportunity to read this Bible, it's, uh, this, uh, this uh, prophet's book, it's, pr- it's profound. It's so prophetic because it speaks so much forth of the new covenant that was coming because they were under an old covenant. The old covenant was this. You do right, you get rewarded. You do wrong, you get punished. It was all on you. And it was all based on effort and human effort of trying to do best. And the better you did, the better you got. Only to realize you would never be able to do enough. The harder you try, the harder it gets. They'd find themselves moving forward a couple steps forward and they'd find themselves moving a couple steps backward. But the reality of it is, they weren't getting free, they were learning to live a manageable life in the midst of bondage. How many people you know today are in bondage but have learned to manage life within that bondage? You know what I'm talking about? Hoping for breakthrough, hoping for peace, trying to convince yourself that you're in peace because there's a day that does go by that you do get a day of peace. I'm I'm talking about learning to live when things aren't right, but you just make the best. How about you just grin and bear it? You know what I'm talking about? You just grin and bear it. Oh, God. Life's a drudgery. Life's a... Uh, Here I go again. And because you're faithful and there's not a quit in you, you get up and do what you do every day just because you're not gonna quit. How many of you have been to that place, I just talked to somebody about this the other day. It's so frustrating because I've been there. I know what this is like. I know what it's like to get in my my prayer closet with God and wrestle and say, this is not fair because you know I'm not gonna backslide and quit. I'm not gonna quit. I'll keep going. And you know that. So why, 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 what's the deal here? What is, so then you go through the whole process, and I'll just tell you my process. My process first is, what am I doing wrong? Anybody know that process? What am I doing wrong? And after you peel the layers off of all you things you do wrong, then you realize that nothing's changed. Right? Okay, so then you try to build up enough faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I put on... Faith messages and faith scriptures. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not mind over matter. I listen to that, I listen to that, i trying to build my faith up like I'm ready to run outside a locker room, ready to run on the field to take on the problem now. Only to realize that something's not changing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So then you start looking at all the people around you. If it's not you. There's got to be a Jonah somewhere. There's sin in the camp. I got news for you. I've learned this a long time ago. As long as there's people in the camp. Because when you eliminate all the sins of the flesh, somebody's still got pride. If you weren't, if you weren't smoking you, and being in that, in that, over that ministry, I, how many glasses of wine do you drink? See, that's it right there. They, t- they, do, they do two over dinner. Two. Why can't you do one? You're affecting the whole body of Christ here. You mind what I'm talking about? I'm just getting real because some of you, I saw some of you picked up your purse and ready to walk out the door. <laughs> you know, getting real close now. And I'm just teasing. But I'm, the reality of it is we start picking that, that, that close. You see what I'm talking about? We start getting down to all that stuff. Oh, and then you begin to do this. I did have that bad attitude the past couple of days. I might not have said those words, but I sure thought them. So then you repent, and you start peeling off the layers of all your stuff. And after a couple of days of that, depending on how bad you are, right, after you peel all the layers off, you go, oh God, here I am, I'm still here. And guess what happened? You're still you, he's still him, and it's still the same. So what do you do? You get back up and you do it all over again, right? right? That's what they were living. That's where most people in the church today live. There's not momentum. The church doesn't know how to govern from a place of strength. The church knows how to govern from a place of weakness. What do you do when you get the keys thrown to you? How do you steward from, from prosperity? How do you live your life from health? when you're so used to the medications and the the pains and the hurts of all the years? What happens when you get healed? What happens if 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 you come from that position? We've mastered how to do it when we're not healed or we're in debt or we're struggling in our relationships. We've learned how to do that. We know how to survive in this place. They did too. But he began to prophesy saying, Look what's happening, he raises it up. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for what purpose? To break all this free, to change the situation and circumstance. Now if you're living in Isaiah's day, that's a big deal, right? Because you're going, oh my God, this is is it. One day, because he was prophesying of a day to come when that scripture would be fulfilled and come to pass in people's lives, right? Now, if we were living back in that time, we would be all with Isaiah going, say it again, Isaiah. We'd chant with him, we'd write songs about it, we would worship saying, God's gonna, God's gonna, one day, God's gonna, the Spirit of the Lord, and it's a prophecy, it's a prophecy, it's a prophecy. Here's the problem. Turn the Bible to Luke chapter four. Starting in verse 14. Isaiah was saying it was coming. And lo and behold, here comes the Lord. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified at all by all. So he came to Nazareth, that's where he's from, where he had been brought up. He was raised in Nazareth, come to his hometown. And as his custom, his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read the scripture. They handed him a book that was written for the prophet Isaiah, that was the scroll. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Wait a minute. That wasn't all of Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, if you could switch back there just for a second. If you don't mind, Isaiah 61, I hate to do that back and forth, but I want to read that part where it says, Isaiah reads this. Remember, the last thing Jesus says before he sits down is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There you go. Isaiah says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Why did Jesus not say that? Jesus said the acceptable year of the Lord. Isaiah said the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Vengeance is mine, saith In the Old Testament, out of the old covenant, there was no choice but death to happen. There's a new covenant today. Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, let me give you the intention of the prophecy that Isaiah gave that you all have been waiting on for the last thousands of years. You all have been waiting on this to happen. And ever since that prophecy was given, you were waiting on the Messiah to come so he could come and whip everybody back into shape Make sure everybody gets punished for their sins because he's mad. The day of vengeance of our God. All the people of Israel from generation to generation until the day Jesus came were like this going, oh God, I can't wait till he comes back because he's gonna rescue the Jews but he's gonna kill the Gentiles. And, and, and because we're living underneath the, the Gentiles and ge- living underneath that Roman government and all that, I can't wait till he hurries up and comes back because he needs to liberate his people and put them in judgment. Because they're wrong and we're right. He's, our, we're his people, they're not. Israel felt the same way back then. We're underneath this thing, underneath the pressures of life. And, 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 and as long as they have the Babylonians and all, uh, the Assyrians and all the other kingdoms of the world to blame, you're, you're underneath it. And it's easy to, when you have someone to blame. It's easy to look at the Babylonians and say, if we didn't have those Babylonians to deal with, am I not talking about? But what do you do when Jesus comes up and fulfills the intent of that scripture and prophecy? Go back to verse, chapter four. Let's read it again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are all oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the jubilee year. Yeah. When everything goes back to its original owner and intent. And people are free. Yeah. People are free from bondage. People free from debt. People are free from things they owe. People that, people that, that were done wrong. That, that, all of that, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, is all back to what it originally intended to do. Next verse, then he closed the book. They're waiting on the next half of Isaiah 61, verse two. They're waiting on the vengeance, the day of the vengeance of our Lord. They didn't get it. They got a closed book. Not only did he close the book, he handed the book back to the attendant and sat down. Look at this. All eyes were fixed on him in the synagogue, verse 21. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ear. Full, you're waiting on a sec. you you're waiting on a comma and the rest of the verse, it's over. Yeah. 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 Good. It's, it's over. It's not, it's, you're looking, you're looking for me to get even for you. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set you free. If you'll quit looking at everybody else, the the, the issues and your limitations, you'll exercise what I have in me, I'm about to give to you. And he said, Watch this. Today, the scriptures will fill your ears. I'm going to just keep reading, if you don't mind. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious word. Look at this. Those are gracious words which proceeded out of the mouth of him. But here they go. Somebody wanted to make him common, and they said, "Is this not Joseph's son? Who's he think he is?" He said to them, "You will surely say the proverb this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have done in this Capernaum, do also here in this country, in your country." Then he said, "Assuredly, I say, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you the truth: many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land." But to none of them was Elijah sin except Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And we're talking two generations here. We're talking Elijah and Elisha in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Look at this. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They got mad. They were filled with anger because they were bent on the vengeance. They, people enjoy, they enjoy getting one up. If you remove the limitations off my life, I'll have to look at my life. But if I can still remain the limitations of my life, it's easy for me to look at your life. So he says, All the people that he came to to, to free, the widow, he came to one. All the lepers that were there that had leprosy, he came to to, to Naaman. And they're going, who does this guy think he is? He's Joseph's son. He's coming here preaching a big scripture. He's giving us all this fulfillment. He's taking away the vengeance part of this covenant. Who does he think he is? So when they start to say, when anger and wrath start coming away from They've taken it away from the covenant. They carry it. Next verse, I gotta go here. And he rose up and thrust him out of the city. They they threw out Jesus out of the synagogue. (laughs) They threw him out of church. They read about him. They sung about him sung to him, read to him, talked to his people, and threw him out. Why? Because he said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. Here was the crux of it. The crux of it was, I'm coming to fulfill something in your ears and in your eyes that you have been waiting to see happen. If you can't make the shift that says it's already happening today, and you have, you're more bent on wanting it to come down the road, you're gonna miss why I'm here. I'm coming to fulfill today what you have been waiting for for years and years and years. If you can't shift and move from what will be to what is, you're gonna get mad at life and everybody else in life. How do you go from what will be to what is? Next verse. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching. Why? For his word was with authority. When there's no power in the church, it's because we're putting off power to come rather than the power is here today. And the only shift that has to take, and when I talk about power, I'm talking about overcoming life. It just didn't be goosebumps and, and wiggles. Okay? It's just, it's not all about just that. If you do that, more power to you. You know, I'm not one of those kind of people that typically do that, but I know when I get victory, something changes on the inside of me. Right? So, so I'm not negating that, but that can't be your mark. I know many people that wiggle that really, really are worriers. And they wiggle to keep from worrying. Somebody needs to write a song about that. Right? Right? Because they're putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. No, here's what happened. You, you gotta see this. This is critical for where we are today. For, for several thousand years, it was something was going to happen. The Messiah was coming to remove all of the oppression off of God's people. Isaiah gives it, gives us a halftime report and says, guys, here's what I got. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for this to happen. It's, I'm going to set people free. This is incredible. I'm going to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This person is a prophecy. It's coming. You've got hope. You've got hope. You've got hope. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. It's going to happen. It's coming. I know it's coming. God's going to do something. It's wonderful. So all the people get ready for it to happen. But it had not occurred then. Jesus shows up on the scene 2,000 years ago and brings fulfillment to that prophecy. And we still today, 2,000 years later, have more confidence and more quotation in Isaiah's prophecy than we do Jesus' reality. Because it's easy for the church to try to govern in our weakness as opposed to really govern and steward the world in strength, yeah. And let me tell you how it happens. It happens when you realize who you are and why you're here. Yeah. I talked about this Wednesday night a little bit, and I'm going to carry it over just a little bit for a few moments here. We, it's easy for us to know that Jesus is the Lord. But what do you do when Jesus looks at you and says, go get him." You have a choice to make. You can go get them thinking, like Rachel said, in a weakness or inferiority, or you can go get life in strength. Now strength isn't that you win every single battle, but strength does mean you know you're gonna win the war. It might look like you're getting knocked off balance for a little bit, but something about when you know where you're coming from even when you're down a blow, you look and you say, you don't understand. I know what it feels like right now, but that can't be my eternal reality. It might be temporary reality, and I might have to live in it, and I might have to do some stints in the hospital. I might have to go through some processes, some hurts, and some pains, but you don't understand. That doesn't define me, That's right. and it won't give me my end, That's right. Come on. because you can't. Kill. What God blesses. Right. Right? John chapter one verse one. I'm going to read this, and I hope this makes sense to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Any any question there? Jesus is the Word. The word was God, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Here's the thing. The church still walks around in darkness, so we're not understanding what really is happening. Because we're so still, we're still used to being weak. You're gonna shift out of weakness today into strength. There was a man sent from God, look at this, John the Baptist, whose name was John, John the Baptist, we know him. This man came for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all through him might believe. Now, John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That, That was the true light, which give light to every man coming into the world. Here's the problem with this whole passage. We have Isaiah prophesying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, to a generation of people that is going, how in the world can this thing come? We're such bondage, we're, man, we're not winning, we're losing, we're under the, the pressures of life, the government's out of control, there's taxes going crazy, they're, they're hitting us on every turn. I mean, if, it, we, if we get ahead a little bit, we go backwards if some, if furthermore, it's just, I don't even know, we got division over here, you got Republicans hating the Democrats, the Democrats are hating Republicans, this person's protesting, this one's tweeting about this one and posting about that, and you got all this stuff going on. How can it be? It's easy to say, one day, God, will you do it? God, one day, will you do it? Jesus comes to put a stamp on what will be. And he comes and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon what? Me. To preach the gospel to the poor. I've come to change the leverage. I've come to shift you from weakness to strength. And whoever is in weakness, I have the ability, Jesus says, as the light of the world, to give them strength. I can do it, why? Because I'm he that has been sent to preach the acceptable favor of the Lord. Not to who's qualified or disqualified, but to all who will believe. Everybody. The ups, the downs, the Romans, and the Gentiles, and the Jews, everybody quit lumping people in classes, I've come to bring it all together. Why? Whoever, because everybody's weak and I'm here to make them all strong. Right? John the Baptist ushers in the light. John chapter one says this, he was not that light, but he was bearing witness of that light. Here's the problem. Jesus looks at the disciples when he's getting ready to go away. And he looks at him and he says, I'm the light of the world. And they're going, yeah, and we bear witness of the light. Yeah, just like John did. Man, high five everybody. Can I get on the right or the left? Remember James and John? We'll sit on the right and the left and bear witness of the light. He says, you're the light. What? How can, I like John's message better that we bear witness of light. It's easy for me to point them to Jesus because it takes the responsibility off of me. But what do you do when you walk into a room and you're supposed to be the light and there's you and Jesus in your mind and in your heart but the person walks in the door needing freedom, needing encouraged, needing uplifted, and you look at them and you say, me and Jesus just came over to give you a lift. Well, they're going to bypass you and go right to Jesus. The problem is, you're the light. Am I telling you that you're Jesus to that person? Yes. (sighs) What? Do you have him in you? Then how can you separate yourself from him? He will never separate himself from you. You walk in, if if my daughter Lauren walked into a room, a, 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 a place, and I happened to be in there and I saw her over there, and somebody was giving her a hard time about something, and she would say, do you know who my dad is? Do you think I would stand over here? I'd be right over there, wouldn't I? Wouldn't I be over there? You would too. Why? Because you're not going to distance yourself from her. I wouldn't distance myself from her. He's not distanced himself from us. No, listen, I'm not telling you you're God. Don't misunderstand me. Don't get me a sound bite and put it on YouTube and me have to go write it all down again. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, When Jesus said, it's important that I go away so I can come back into you and the spirit and the comforter will come into you and when he comes into you, it will be me coming into you. And then you will have that spirit, what spirit? The spirit that was on him to preach gospel to the poor, to set at those that are bruised for liberty and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord upon you is not to preach God's vengeance, it's to preach his liberty. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So when you catch this and quit waiting on something else to happen, you either got it or you don't. That's good. Yeah. And if you're waiting on another dose of it and you've already received him, you've got all of God you're ever going to get. That doesn't mean you can't be rebaptized and all of the, the, the feel of pressure, the power of God again over and over again. But if you think for one minute you don't have him, And you better muster him up a little bit. That's not true. The world is waiting to see Jesus the Christ. And they got one of two choices. They either see him coming through you, or they sit here and wait and look at clouds until he comes back one day. True? Right? If they see him through us today in our weak state, I don't blame him for waiting until he comes back. But to see us in our strength, in our true identity. And you and I have to make a shift. I'm leading the pack here. We've gotta make a shift to what will be, to what has been done in Jesus. And because he has already completed the work and closed the book, my God, he closed the book, handed back the and sit down, and said, guys, listen, I know you're waiting on more, but today, this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes. Now here's what I battled with. He hadn't even died on a cross yet. What do you do about that? How could the the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to preach all this stuff and set these people free? And he hasn't even died, buried, or resurrected. How in the world can that be? How can Jesus go to people that are sinners and forgive their sins and they didn't even repent? There was Romans 10, 9, and 10 was not even written and Jesus was forgiven their sins. There's no sinner's prayer written then. The woman caught in adultery, hey, your sins are forgiven you. Why? No, vengeance. is the day of vengeance. No, it's the day of acceptable we of the Lord. Are you saying acceptable of all sins? No, she's greater than the sins. She just don't know it yet. If I can elevate her in her new purpose and identity that the Spirit of the Lord is upon her, if I could just tell her she's the light of the world, that darkness won't be in her. But as long as she's pointed to me, Jesus is saying, as long as you keep pointing it to me, you'll never know who you are. So we have darkness walking the face of the earth. And we're encouraging people, left and right, yes, you're good, yes, you're good. God's going to do this, you're wonderful. God's going to do this. We have sinners, uh, we have altar calls and are wonderful altar calls, and people get saved and glorified. They get up off their seat and they walk out here in darkness, because they're still bearing witness of the light, not knowing they came down here in darkness and they walked away light. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Don't tell me what Jesus has done for you. Show me who Jesus is to you. The world is waiting. The church is waiting. Your Generations, posterity, waiting. Waiting on what? To see the light. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, right? Hide it under a bushel. God forbid we teach those kids over there, they sing that song. And they grow up to be young adults. They get in marriages and relationships and families. And they're back at Isaiah 61 going, Man, one day, one day. No, no. And I think this bears telling again. I've told this before. And I don't want to end here because it's Independence Day. Jesus came and declared independence to those people. Right. Yeah. And they'd been under taxes and tyranny for a long time. But when freedom comes, you gotta know how to handle the freedom. First you gotta accept it, then you gotta live it. And I've been praying and asking the Lord for a, for a long time, ever since we've been a church basically, or maybe even right right before. I said, God, I, 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 wanna, I want people to see the reality I'm not just interested. I really don't want just a church. You know what I'm talking about? Church role, church membership, church numbers, church functions. All those are important. I recognize that. But I don't want that. Those are byproducts of people that know who they are. That know who he is and who he's made you to be okay, Those are all, and those things all happen, they, they're, they're just byproducts, they can't be your goal. I've been praying, God, how how do we do this? And so the Lord started taking me back through some of my own journey, my own experiences. And I'm gonna leave you with this. It was a time, and I, I know many of you have heard this before, but if some of you haven't, then uh, just bear with me. It was I got called to do a, a funeral of a young teenager that was, uh, had committed suicide. This might touch some of your hearts even in other ways, but just hear me all the way through. And uh, it was a a young teenager, 15, 16, 17 years old, that I, I knew the family of the family. I didn't know him well. I just knew of him and had met him a time or two, but I didn't really know him that close. And I didn't really know his relationship with the Lord. I didn't know a lot of that. But I got called because I had connections with them to come and do this funeral. So I was coming to this place to do this funeral, and I got there and the, 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 the mom and dad had, went, had been divorced and had relationships or marriages, actually had other families outside of that and they had moved on and he, uh, they had kids and there was some speculation and some innuendo that he perhaps would have had molested one of the, the kids of one side of the family. So when I got there, I came do like I normally do, walk into the face I want to talk to the family just and just kinda you know connect and relate and make myself available and just see where it is. It was just a tragedy. There was not words I could say. It was just my presence being there to offer love and support and care and warmness was was my, my goal. So when I got there the one side of the family got me to the side and said, Listen, you know, he killed himself and he's a you know a molester. So I, I, I know he's in hell. And I know he's going to spend eternity in hell. And one lady says, she goes, but he got what he, he gets, he's getting what he deserves. And I just thought, oh, God, what am I going to do? So I walk over, and I'm talking to the other side of the family. And the other side of the family says, God, they're making all kinds of accusations that are not true. I know him. I took him to church. He, he, he prayed. And, 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 I mean, he read his Bible, and I, he listened to some worship songs. I know he, I knew he knew God. I know he had a relationship with God. I thought, oh geez. I know he's spent an eternity in heaven. I know where he is. He's in the presence of the Lord. I'm thinking, oh my God. What am I gonna do? And you know, I was fashionably late. I got there like 10 minutes before the funeral because I knew it was gonna be something, but I didn't know. And I thought, oh my God. So I go back in the hallway. I get myself away from everybody, and I'm gonna pray. And I, I sit down and I had no idea what I'm gonna do. No idea. I sit down in the middle of the hallway and the floor and I just started crying. I said, oh my God, I got, I don't know if he, his relationship with you, I know they want him in hell and they want him in heaven and Lord, this ain't no joke. This isn't funny. This, I, I don't know what to do. And I know I'm a man of wisdom and I know the scriptures, but I don't know what to do. I said these words, I said, Jesus, I said, God why don't you just come down here and just do this one yourself? True. It's true story. And I'm sitting there and I said, why don't you just come down here and do this yourself? And immediately the impression came back to me and said, I'm not coming down there and doing that. You're representing me to that family. You're not just representing me at the funerals. He said, you're very comfortable representing me at funerals and weddings, but what you're not comfortable doing is representing me at Walmart, the bank, the grocery store, the ballpark. He said, you separated because this is your official duty. Clergy, weddings and funerals. And I thought, oh God, I've separated this thing out. He said, I'm not coming down there today. He said, "And nobody asked you? This is what was going on in my head. Nobody asked you to represent him to me. I'm asking you to represent me to him. You don't know how he felt towards me, but you better know how I felt towards him. I said, God, I can do that. I know you. Yes, you do know you. And he said, and what you're gonna feel today is something you've never felt before. You're gonna feel what it feels to be me in the midst of people that can't see me. I got up, a mess, I walked out there. Oh my God, it was, you could see it polarized on each side too. You just, they were just holding on to every word. I said, oh God. And I'd be lying if I stood out there and beat my chest and all that. I was scared to death. I was sick on my stomach, nauseous, looking for God. And I even prayed this prayer one time. This is, this is the truth, I went, Lord, come quickly. Come and I couldn't remember if I was looking at the east or the west, so I looked at both sides. Lord, come quickly. I don't, whichever you got up here, just come. So I got up there and the music was playing and the time came. And I got up and I was supposed to read the obituary. And I, and I did. And I read the obituary and I opened up in prayer. Songs were played and here it was my time. I closed up my, by my book because honestly, I carried, my, I carried my, my funeral book that I have and there was nothing in it. I didn't have notes. I didn't know what to do. So I looked at it and I thought, well, I can act like I got notes and look down occasionally or I can just do what I'm supposed to do. I closed up the book and I stepped off that podium, or platform. I came down in that floor. And for the next 40 minutes, longest funeral I ever preached, I started telling him about how Jesus felt about him. I said, I don't know the decisions he made up to his last breath, but I know the decisions that my Savior made in his last breath. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Don't hold their sins against them. Father, they're in ignorance, they're in darkness, they're walking around in no light. They don't know what they're doing. Let their blood be upon them and their children. And I begin to preach the love and the mercy of God. And I'm not joking, something came over me like I have never felt before and I don't know that I've ever felt since. I felt like I stepped out of myself, and I began to preach eternity, and the love and the grace of God in that family. And I started watching how he began to cry, and she began to cry, and the family began to cry, and the girl that was supposed to have been abused started crying too, and and I'm going, oh God, I don't know what's happening, I don't know how to end it. And I said, if you'll stand to your feet, I'm going to just thank the Lord for his mercy, and I'd rather have him in the hands of a merciful God than a God of vengeance. And I prayed and it ended. And I stood at the head of the casket and all of a sudden they came one by one. And those two families that were just so far apart, melted together, I don't know how it happened. And they were talking about, yes, I felt God. It was the best funeral I've ever been in. I'm going, oh, my God, I don't even know what just happened. And they were hugging, and they were tapping each other on the way out. And I just sit there and be amazed. And the Lord spoke to me on I, I way home. I was so crying so hard. I said, God, thank you. I don't even know how that all happened. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do now. I can't even be the How can I be the same? How can I ever be the same? And he said to me, you're the light. They're looking to see me but they'll only see me if they see you as the light. So we went out to the cemetery and we committed the body back to the ground. And when we did, everybody was gathered around and it was just a holy hush across the entire place. You could just feel something in in the atmosphere and committed the body to the ground. And I said these words, Uh, Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, we commit it back to the body, back to the ground from which it was made. But I proudly present this young man's spirit back to the Father which gave it to him. And they started clapping at the graveside. I didn't know what was going on. I thought, God, they're clapping. What is happening? And the Lord said, well done my good and faithful servant. Would you stand with me? I don't tell you that story to tell you how I handled it and it all worked out. I'm telling you that you're the light. And your message is how he feels towards people. That's the only message you have to carry. Any other message is Pharisees. It's the acceptable year of the Lord, not the vengeance of our God. The vengeance belongs to the Lord. And the sad part about it, you'll realize somehow he turns it all for good. Would you bow your hands and close your eyes for me, just one second, I'm gonna close. Is there anybody in here that just wants to give their heart to the Lord today, get saved. You're not saved. You're not where you need to be. And you just want to get saved. Raise your hand for me. If that's you. I just want to get saved. Anybody? Anyone? I just need to get saved. I need to give my heart to the Lord because I know he's already given his heart to me. Anybody? Well, then you guys can look at me. That means everybody's saved or you're under conviction. One of the two. So Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up my brothers and my sisters and the light of this world. No more looking at what you're going to do when we're carrying the torch already. Help us to govern in strength and not govern in weakness. Help us to steward in strength and not steward in weakness. Help us to see in strength and not always see in weakness. Help us, God, to shift this thing to you and what you have done so you can allow us to see what we are and who you've made us to be in this earth. I bless my brothers and I bless my sisters. Let them have the best 4th of July and Independence Day ever. Everything that's restricting them, that's limiting them, that's hindering them, that's an obstacle or an obstruction in their life, let it all be moved. Let the chains and shackles be off of their life that they can walk into the freedom and the independence, God, that you have called them to be in you, the light of the world the light of the world, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you all next Sunday.